say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the nether world shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, a special welcome to the Faber family who get to baptize little Jay after Mass. We're really glad you could be with us. I remember very well when I got my first set of keys. It was fifth grade. And uh, it seemed like all of a sudden in the cafeteria every day, another kid was holding up the key that his mom or dad had given him so that he could get into the house at night. Those of you that are old enough, you remember, we actually called each other, right, latchkey kids, which meant there wasn't mom or somebody waiting at home uh, to let you in. And so you needed a key to get in the house. The reason I remember getting this is because my mom was at home and also my grandma and my grandpa and an indeterminate horde of cousins. And so um, I asked for a key at the dinner table, and my dad said, what do you need one of those for? There's never a time there's nobody home. It wasn't until a couple of years later that I came to realize the power in holding keys. And that was because the neighbor lady, who was sort of a, a rich widow type who liked to travel, came to my parents with a proposition. I've been paying for these expensive house sitters for a long time, but if you'd be willing uh, and you think he's up to it, I, I, I think PJ could tandle, handle tending the house, watering the plants. There was a dog and a cat, cleaning if she was gone for more than a week or so, all that kind of thing. And I remember the first time I walked into this neighbor's house by myself. It was the first time, I think, I'd ever been in a house by myself, because our house is always so full of people. And this lady was really interesting. I said she was wealthy. She was a professional archaeologist, so her house was full of artifacts, all kinds of things that a 12-year-old boy really wanted to touch and knew he really shouldn't because he'd break it. But this was the power in having those keys. I could literally make or break things in this woman's house. In that case, probably make or break some things that were genuinely priceless or invaluable. 
I don't think I ever betrayed that poor lady's trust. I took care of her, her house a lot right up until I finished high school. I was the last generation of student janitors at Dowling, and I did have some keys there that might have led to things getting open that shouldn't. But the point is that keys have power in and of themselves because keys don't simply open and close doors. They establish and communicate relationship. If you were to walk onto our campus not knowing anything about any of the buildings or where you're supposed to go, and you were to see either the priest or the janitor walking around with a ring of these, what are you going to rightly presume? He belongs here. He can get me in where I need to go. Once upon a time, in the process of ordination to the priesthood, there was actually a ceremony where they gave you the keys. Father John can remember this, right? So, so, so keys are symbolic they're practical because they get us into things, but their symbolic value is probably even more important than, uh, than their practical use. It would be very, very awkward to talk about giving Peter the pin number or the key card to the kingdom. It just doesn't have the same ring, right? And so keys are what Jesus uses to talk about Peter and, in a broader sense, the church's role in the forgiveness of sins. Shebna, the master of the palace, in that first reading, right, he is likewise given the keys. Now, he's given the keys, this is real important, first of all, like me, not to his house, to the king's, right? So he's being given the keys to somebody else's house. He's being handed responsibility, not told he's responsible for his own stuff, but handed responsibility for somebody else's stuff. And the thing about it is, palaces in those days were not typically locked. They're, they're public buildings. The courtroom especially, the court of the king, was where he'd receive people publicly. The front door of the palace was left open pretty much all of the time. You might have a guard or two standing out front, but the doors weren't ever really locked. So what, what was the power of Shebna's keys? Well, they were symbolic. You even heard it. They hang it on his shoulder. It wasn't from his waist where he could easily get to it. They showed that he was in charge when the king was away. So Shadna was the one who could bind and loose the items in the house. When guests came in, he could say to the servants, fetch the fatted calf or stale bread and bad water. We don't want this crew sticking around. He was, importantly, the bouncer of the castle. And that's the kind of role that Peter's being given in the church. But notice this is only possible. Jesus, it's not like Jesus goes up the mountain, comes back and goes, Eeny, it's not like that. It's not even like he does job interviews. You're the smartest, you're the strongest, you're the bravest, you're the best community organizer. That's not how Jesus makes this decision. When they were in the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, and it's important, initially the question is a step removed, right? It, 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 it's it's, it, it's kind of like when you say to your kids, well, what do you think about that? When the kid knows what's coming, right? Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Now, he calls himself the Son of Man all the time, so they're not confused about that piece. And so they say the kind of innocuous things that you say when you're trying to not make a commitment to something. Well, could be this, could be that, could be the other thing. 
and you. Who do you say that I am? I make no mistake about this, friends. This is the single most important question ever to be asked in the whole history of the world. It's the most important question any one of us ever have to answer in our lives, and the way that we respond should change the whole course of what we do. It's what causes us to bring our little ones for holy baptism. It's what brings us here Sunday after Sunday, day after day. It's what drives us there when we're in need of forgiveness and reconciliation. It's what organizes our relationships and the way we spend our time and the way we use our money and the way that we build a life for ourselves. The answer to this question, everything else hangs on. And Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now this is important. When Jesus gives Peter the keys, he's responding to a relationship, a relationship which already exists in faith. That's what Peter does in his declaration. He establishes a relationship. The answer to the question of who Jesus is, there are a lot of possible answers, obviously, but the way that we answer that question will determine our relationship to Jesus. And in light of our relationship to Jesus, it'll determine, obviously, our relationship to his church, but then to everyone else in the church or outside of it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Not, you are the last of the prophets, or the greatest of the teachers, the wisest of the sages, or the best commentary on the law of Moses. Jesus says, I am the law. And Peter says, yeah, I think you're right. Now, Jesus makes something clear here that I think is very, very important for us, 2,000 years removed. This insight of Simon Peter's, this, this profession of faith is not his alone, not even his mostly. Blessed are you, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. The authentic act of faith can never simply be us thinking real hard or wanting real hard. It's only moved by grace. Grace is already at work in little J. We can't see all the workings of it yet, but even the toddling around suggests something, right? Grace is already present in us before we get here, but baptism energizes, activates, stirs up potentialities, and gives us new capacities. It's like parts open up inside us that we didn't know were there. And when we're baptized at, at a young age, when we're baptized real small, sometimes it takes a while for those capacities to be made clear. Once Jesus has recognized this new relationship he shares with Simon, he first gives him a new name. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, Jay's already got her name. The first question he's going to ask you is, what name have you given to your child? Names are important. And that name which you have given becomes the name God speaks now. And Jay, like 
like Peter, will be given a mission, a commission, a ministry, a function, a direction, an apostolate in the life of the church. Now, it's worth saying here, the phrase power of the keys, that is like kind of technical church speak for something, okay? So it is certainly the understanding of the Catholic and largely of the Orthodox churches that the bishops of the church with the Pope at their head have a special role in the life of the church. That's why they have the name bishop. They're overseers. And that they do coordinate the church's life. They bind and loose in ways that you and I probably don't. And that the priests share in that in a very particular way in the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. That in confession, the priest does bind or loose sins in the way that Jesus promises to Peter. But I want to suggest that each one of us at least brushes up against that power of the keys or at least maybe the power of the open door. Because every one of us gets to determine how we interact with the rest of the world and especially with those who aren't yet among our company, who aren't yet part of the church. And we can be doorkeepers or we can be bouncers. We can be opening the cordon or shutting it down. We can be inviting people in to try and encounter Jesus, especially in the sacraments of faith, or we can be keeping them at bay because we're worried about what might happen or because their appearance or their vision of life or, or, or something about them makes us nervous or uncomfortable. Sometimes the place where this is hardest, I find at least, is in our own families. We set boundaries in our families all the time, whether we mean to or not. And, and especially when people who are raised in the faith fall away, we can wind up becoming gatekeepery. It's important to maintain your boundaries, both for psychological and spiritual reasons. But the church is a big tent, right? James Joyce famously, here comes everybody. And especially when you gather with the church at large, whether that's on the diocesan level for, for big things downtown or on like the international level, as several of our parishioners recently came back from World Youth Day, the church looks and acts different in different places. What binds us together is this common confession of faith. If we can say with Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, then everything changes. And what we do here matters more than anything. In fact, it's what we do here that gives meaning and shape and purpose to everything else that we do. If we're not yet in a place where we can say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, you are the living God walking about in the flesh, living our life and dying our death so that we might live with you forever. If you're not in a place where you can say that yet, that's fine. I'll walk with you in this community. I'll walk with you. But none of this will quite make sense yet. Or it'll be an oddity, something interesting to look at, but not quite to dip our toes in. If we're in that place, it's okay. But we need to feel free and be willing to say that to other people. Most of us that are bought in had a time when we weren't, or where we weren't sure, or where we didn't know what it all meant. And understand clearly here, Peter isn't given the keys because he got the right answer in catechism class. This isn't a gold star or an A for the day. P 
Peter was given inspiration by God to teach us. And what that did was establish a unique relationship with Jesus. You. You. Even the littlest you is called to a unique, individual, personal relationship with Jesus, which we Catholics experience most profoundly and intimately in the sacraments. So pray today for the grace to be honest with yourself and honest with those around you about who you think Jesus really is, who he really, really is, and to live into that relationship which is meant to shape the whole course of your life. Pray for the grace to be as innocent a newborn Christian as this one will be in just a few moments. And that the grace of the sacrament of Holy Communion with this day equip us to go out those doors and keep them open.